This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Lots of stuff going on right now. Going to spend a decent part of today's show still talking about the Vikings. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, joins me here in just a little while. Played a little game with Chip. Read him five quotes. Maybe we called it That's What He Said. I don't know. Um, not, uh, not sure of the branding on that or if you guys even get the office reference kind of had to be of a certain age and cultural reference uh, reference point there but um, I read him five quotes that I thought were particularly important from the last few days uh, with key stakeholders in this Vikings decision to fire Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman and so Chip and I talked those through what they mean what they could mean for the future so look forward to that in a few minutes get to a point on the Vikings draft as well, and uh, and, and also spin things a little bit forward for you too. But first, what did I miss? Timberwolves. Something other than the Vikings this week. Timberwolves played Tuesday night, lost at New Orleans, a struggling team, no Zion Williamson. Wolves, relatively full complement of available players, although Jalen Noel injured during the game but you know not one of their you know top seven or eight rotation players at least at the start of the season a a loss but not not someone who should determine that you are going to lose to the Pelicans but the Wolves lose nonetheless they sleepwalk through some of the early parts of the game and can't get it going quite enough lose on a kind of a heartbreaker Brandon Ingram makes a long three-pointer to break a tie in the closing seconds 128 to 125 is the final Wolves defense had been playing pretty well did not play well in this game and again we, we I'm talking with Chip in a few minutes here about some key quotes from the Vikings there's a lot of key things that uh, Wolves players said after the game the first one from Carl Anthony Towns I'll play that for you right now we can't fall for the media hype it's as simple as that uh, we can't fall for the media hype. The same thing I've been told in Kentucky is the same thing. <laughs> I know how it is. I've seen it. They, they've done it to me enough. You know, they build you up, you know. Um, I've always, I've always, I've always been told, you know, they're going to keep feeding the pig. They're going to keep feeding the pig. And, and then as soon as it's as big as possible and it's, it has the most, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the most wanted is going to you know they're going to slaughter you <laughs> you can't listen to the media like we know they hyping us up oh great great it shouldn't be something that the media make us feel good we gotta go out there and play my first reaction to that is uh i'm sorry what who's who's loving up um and, and lavishing praise on a team that is 20 and 21 at the midpoint of the season and you know hovering right into that that play-in, maybe playoffs territory in the West. This team is certainly better than it has been in recent years. I think people can see some potential here. I think they're seeing competent basketball. But, Carl, one game under five hundred just got a coach fired with the Vikings. Nobody is loving up a team with that record. Like I said, maybe we can see some potential here, but you've got a lot more to accomplish before you worry too much about you know people getting in your ear about how good you are the wolves are not good yet the wolves are competent right now they have pieces that could make them better but this is not a good basketball team yet especially if they don't have the consistency 
to beat New Orleans if they think they're just going to go in, like Cat said, which was accurate, and just waltz in and win this game. So, you know, if his overall messaging was we we just, we can't get 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 too high, can't get too low, I get that, but the the piece of it about you know the media just talking them up, uh, no, uh, sorry, Carl, I don't buy that. Nobody is talking you up. In fact, everybody's waiting for you guys to find more consistency than anything else. Patrick Beverly, not surprisingly, did not like the team's defensive effort, defensive approach. Not many people would after you give up 128 points, but he had some interesting things to say after the game as well. Those are a trick game. The last four has been trick games. Obviously, you know, Clippers underhanded, OKC, and one of the worst teams in the NBA. Uh, Houston, one of the worst teams in the NBA. You know, so you you, you, you get in the zone. Obviously, you scoring a lot of points. That's, that's what you think is uh, the recipe that's winning. And that's not. Our recipe has always been defense. And, uh, you know, we don't we don't beat defense. I mean, we don't play defense. If anybody don't play defense, you can get beat by anybody in that, uh, in that show tonight. That's pretty much spot on. I mean, uh, and, and Beverly, you know, he's a veteran. He's been around this. He knows. He kind of knows how you have to approach games like this and you know you have to play defense every game you know Wolves came in I think at eighth in the league in defensive efficiency and you're going to have lapses you're going to have off nights I, I get that but that you know if there was an approach problem and an, an expectation that you could win this game with offense I think that did show itself in this game and you know unfortunately for the Wolves but maybe fortunately for a wake-up call they were not able to win this game. Finally, Anthony Edwards, probably his own biggest critic, assessing a game in which, you know, his final stat line looked just fine, ended up with uh, 28 points on you know 10 of 21 shooting, 6 of 12 from three-point range, but 20 of those points coming in the fourth quarter with the Wolves trying to rally and not getting it done. So here is, you know, Anthony Edwards talking about his need for more consistency in the game. I didn't do nothing in the first. I think I had zero with two minutes left in the second, zero rebounds, like same stat line. So I blame myself. I can't perform in the fourth and not perform in the first and second quarter. Now, listen, this is just one game. You know, we can't treat the NBA like the NFL, where every game is just magnified. Every game, you know, is live or die with every outcome. It It doesn't work over 82 games versus 17. It certainly doesn't work in baseball with 162 games. That said... You know, we've seen enough of these games happen for the Wolves this year where they have these lapses. They start playing well, then they have some lapses, and then things turn the other direction. Now the schedule gets a lot harder for them as well. They have to play Memphis, which is on a huge roll. They've got a bunch of other tough opponents here coming up. they they got to avoid having this turn into the kind of slide that can put them back into that, you know, four, five, six games under 500 category instead of right around 500. So, how they respond to this game will be important, and it sounds like, you know, it sounded like from post game they had a lot on their minds at the very least. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for twenty four seven gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Chip Scoggins joins Daily Delivery right now. Star Tribune columnist does a. Great job covering a variety of this, a variety of things. Wrote about the Vikings this week, as a lot of us have. It's kind of the big, big story right now. Obviously, with Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman fired on Monday as head coach and general manager, respectively. Uh, Chip, how you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. Thank you. 
you are welcome. Glad to have you. Um, I want to, I'm going to play a little, that's not really a game, but I'm going to read you five quotes. We call it, we can call it. That's what he said. Um, if you're an, a fan of the office of, of a certain age, you'll know that's a reference. Otherwise it's just a, a, a statement of fact of, of something someone said. But um, before I get to, before I read five quotes from key people involved in this Vikings uh, decision, just maybe get your take right off the bat on what your reaction was Monday when you heard the news that it was Spielman and Zimmer uh, who both got fired. Yeah, I got to be honest. Um, not surprised with Zimmer. I just felt like there was no chance he was going to come back. Uh, w- with the way this season went and the frustration um, with this team underachieving and, and you're missing the playoffs for the third time in four years and just it just felt like that – uh, his his tenure had run its course. I was a little surprised because we were starting with, with Spielman because we were starting to hear the chatter of we know the Wills trust him and he's kind of been their security blanket on all football issues. They they stay in the background on the football and leave um, those matters up to him. And and so you start to hear chatter that maybe they would kick him upstairs to a different with a different title, president, senior advisor, whatever, and bring in a new GM. So I I, I sort of felt like that was the direction they were going to go, even though I, I totally disagreed with it. And I, I felt like it was going to create an awkward dynamic with the new person coming in. Um, so I, I think they got it right. Uh, it just never made sense to me that if you're going to bring in a new GM and say, we need a fresh eyes, we need a fresh perspective. We want someone, a new direction. And Oh, by the way, the guy who's done the job for 16 years is going to be right down the hall. That, that just made no sense to me. So I think what they did was the right uh, course of action. And it, I guess it was a little surprising that they, that they did uh, move on from Spielman too. That was about where I landed on it as well. And if we kind of dip in now to these five quotes, I think it kind of gets to the heart of some of that, but I want to read one from Mark Wilf, um, who was available to the media on Monday said, Listen, the results speak for themselves. We're not satisfied. It's not where we want to be. But again, we have an excellent organization. We have great, great components of a roster here to build on. I think any coach and GM knows there's something to build off here. We're really committed as owners to providing the resources to make sure we can keep competing year in and year out at the highest levels and try to get championships. And I probably could have stopped at, listen, the results speak for themselves. (laughs) We're not satisfied. But what, what do you... That kind of lays it all out there, but it yeah. does probably speak to why this was a package deal. Yeah, and, and Michael, you look at the the money the Wills have spent on the football operation, and we've heard it time and time again from Spill and whoever that whenever they ask, the Wills say yes. And they put out a lot of money to get Kirk Cousins and and Rick Spillman and, and Mike Zimmer sold them on, hey, this is he's gonna be the quarterback that puts us over the top. Look at the contracts and the money they spent on the veterans. Um, and so I think from the Wills who, who, you know, will tell you straight up that they're not the football experts, but they probably look at it as like, okay, we're spending $35 million on a quarterback. You have Justin Jefferson, Dalvin cook, uh, Daniel Hunter, Eric Hendricks. They see the star power and they're probably not breaking down the roster and say, Oh, they have some flaws here and this and that, but they're just looking at uh, the money they're spending, the, the star quality they have on this team. And also Mark mentioned it yesterday, uh, the number of close losses they had. And you look at how many games that 
they were right there for them to, to win and didn't get it done in their eyes, they're probably thinking, well, if we had a new coach, it's, it's, I think they probably shift that more to uh, the coaching and not being able to get the team over the hump. than Hey, this, this roster is just uh, needs a complete teardown. And, and um, Mark Wolf was asked about that yesterday. He's like, is this going to be a classic rebuild? He's like, no, I don't even want to entertain that discussion. He said, I think the term he used was super competitive in 2022. And so in, in their minds, I think uh, this staff in front office didn't get enough out of the roster that they have. And that can work. I mean, I think we maybe we even look back to the wild a few years ago when I think when Fenton was brought in and he was asked, you know, is this a, a rebuild? And they, they try to dance around that subject. I can't remember the word they used at the time, but there was a certain word they kept repeating at the time that, yeah. uh, that, you know, the revamp, I don't know what it, I can't the remember. Tweaks, the tweaks. tweaks. That's what it was. It yeah, was tweaks. That was the, uh, You're right. And that, and, and that was Craig Leopold because listen, Mike, no owner is going to say, yep, we're in a rebuild because that is right. a tabooed word in the sports world nowadays. That means we're going to be really bad and no owner wants to say that. So they'll say tweaks or they'll massage the word. Um, but you look at this roster and they have some made, the next person that comes in there has some major, major decisions to make. Yeah, that's true. And it, for the while it has generally worked so far, they were able to, you know, become one of the better teams in the league without ever having to become one of the worst teams in the league. Next one for you. Um, this probably speaks a little bit. This is interesting from the players. And this is maybe a little bit more forward looking, but Eric Kendricks and Brian O'Neill were both asked about the culture, kind of what they want to see going forward. And here was, you know, Eric Kendricks linebacker, one of the definite leaders on the team, been with Zimmer almost from the start as a 2015 draft pick said, no matter what your role is on the staff, it's you having a voice and being able to communicate things that you think should help facilitate wins. I just think having that voice, no matter how big your role is, is important to listen up and take each other's feelings into account. I don't think a fear-based organization is the way to go. A lot of people jumped on that last part. What did you make of that? That was a woe moment for me. Um, when you have one of your best players and leaders saying, we don't need a fear-based uh, organization. Listen, it's no secret. Mike Zimmer is an old-school, hard driver, not cozy with his players. Um, I don't think he had great relationships, uh, even with the best guys. I mean, he, you know, that he had his favorites. Obviously, Harrison Smith, Dalvin Cook were guys that he, um, you know, spoke highly of. But I don't know that they were particularly close with him. And I just think that it got to a point where. And you heard the grumblings um, about, you know, not taking accountability with the defense. It was always the offenses of problems. And, um, I mean, heck, Kirk Cousins really didn't have a relationship with them all the first three years. And he finally they got together and said, hey, do you think we should, like, meet once a week to kind of talk about – I mean, this is your – is there a more important relationship in sports than the NFL quarterback with the head coach and being on the same – page and, and, and all that. Um, and those two really didn't have a relationship. And so, uh, it's things that we've heard privately in the background. And then obviously with, with the firing for, for Kendricks, who, when he speaks, it, it carries some weight for him to say, that's not what we need. I think a lot of us said, okay, guys are starting to put their names behind how they feel now. Yeah, and that kind of leads right into this Brian O'Neill quote, and I'll give you some thoughts too. Here's Brian O'Neill, you know, offensive tackle becoming one of their 
you know, more outspoken and, and, you know, one of their, one of their leaders on offense, I believe he's a captain this year. He's a captain. Yeah. I think it could be something as little as, Hey, how are you doing in the hallway? Or when you walk by guys in the hallway and they say, hello, how you go? How, how you going? Good morning. We spend so much time together and the season is so long that little personal things here or there could make a huge difference for a young guy or a rookie who is coming in and isn't really sure how he fits or if he belongs. And it sounds like he's kind of speaking from either his own personal experience or things he has observed, you know, as a young player now becoming more established. And I guess my bigger question for you is, do you think Mark Wilf and the the family of, you know, the family that's going to make this decision is listening to these quotes and understanding or having that influence at all, what kind of coach might get hired in this cycle? Yeah, there's no doubt that they have an, uh, an understanding of it because Mark Wilf, spoke before any of the players did yesterday, and he must have said collaboration, communication, and I forgot what the third one was, 15 times. Like, he said, this is what we're looking for, collaboration and communication. Um, And leadership, I think, was the third one. And um, there clearly were things happening behind the scenes that were festering that we weren't aware of, uh, frayed relationships or whatever. And um, our colleague Andrew Kramer tweeted out when all these – uh, players were, were talking that a uh, an unnamed player had told him one time that um, what was the quote that Spielman walked around like he was the Billy Bean character in in Moneyball and he was the personable one you know of the whole group so I just I just think that there was a um, and it's, it, listen when you're winning things uh, maybe don't bother you as much or don't uh, uh, fester as much but having two tough years and two um, underachieving years. And I think Zimmer felt the pressure of that. And we know when he started, you could tell when he started feeling the pressure because he got, uh, he got cranky, he got even more cranky than he already is. Uh, he didn't lower the temperature. He raised the temperature. And I've had people tell me that all the time, like inside the building, it was just tense a lot of times when there was big games or things were going bad. And so um, that's why I felt like it just needs a, you know, clean house, a fresh perspective. Everybody can kind of breathe. And, and um, that's not to say, you know, they need to go out and find the nicest guy in the world who's going to be best friends with, because that's, you know, be best friends with the players, because that's not the model either. I mean, there's got to be a coach player, you know, barrier a little bit there. Um, and we always talk about it, players coach, you know, that type of thing. But I just think, uh, there is going to be high on the pecking order for the Wills. Someone who is probably a little more communicative with the players and um, creates a different kind of culture than what we've seen an atmosphere around the building than what we've seen the last couple of years. Was it interesting to you that they, I mean, we didn't hear from Kirk cousins. He was not one of the players made available Monday. Uh, Maybe we'll hear from him at some point. Maybe it'll be a while till we hear from him because that's a, an interesting off season decision they have to make on him. But was it, was it interesting to you that they picked players to make available that were communicating these things that, you know, sometimes when there's a firing, it's kind of company line. They're kind of not that they were, you know, talking, you know, naming names so much, but the, you know, yeah. the, the, the comments, you know, interpreted in a certain way were not certainly overwhelmingly flattering about what was going on. No, and you didn't have to read between the lines. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that they 
the PR vetted players are like, hey, what are you going to say? You know, what are you? I think they just pick leaders. I mean, Eric Kendricks is a is a leader. Brian O'Neill's a leader, and said, you know, I mean, say what you feel. They don't they don't know what questions every question they were going to get asked if they're going to get asked about the culture. And so I appreciate, um, I appreciated their honesty because so many times you're like, oh, the coach is great for me. You know, players have to own this. We, you know, you know, and and there, there might be, you know, I'm sure there's guys that are disappointed that two guys lost their jobs, you know, because they didn't perform well in the on the field, but I did appreciate the honesty and um, just kind of the insight that they gave us into what the culture and atmosphere has been like and what they, what they're looking for as players. And, and I've, I've already gotten, you see the pushback on Twitter, Mike, where, you know, all oh, these guys aren't tough guys. They, they can't handle hard coaches. Like, okay. You're, you're telling me that Eric Kendricks and Brian O'Neill are tough guys. <laughs> let's, you know, let's quit with that nonsense. These are, you know, very uh, good players. Eric Kendricks is one of the best linebackers in the league. Uh, I, I'd say he's a tough guy, and he's just saying this is what you want as a professional. You want a supportive environment. You know, that's basically what he said. And he was asked, like, what was his relationship like with, with Zimmer? And he said, you know what? He basically said, I think his quote was, there are some things that are left out there. That's probably a question you need to ask him. <laughs> it, was like that a no, exact- it was like a no comment, which is not good in yeah, that case. that was – that was not a flattering answer. No. So if you don't have a good relationship with Eric Kendricks and you're a defensive coach, then there clearly was uh, something missing there. Speaking of something missing, I'm going to read it's the fourth one out of five. Mike Zimmer's statement. We didn't hear from him, but he did release a statement. It said, I have given my heart and soul to this organization and to the players. I've had outstanding assistant coaches who have worked tirelessly. I'm sorry we didn't get it done. I'll miss coaching the players some of whom have been with me for all eight years. I want to thank the players who welcomed me in 2014 and believed in me that I could lead them to be great. Um, No mention of the Will family, no mention of Spielman. um, Pretty self-serving statement to a certain degree. I wasn't like scorched earth, but when I read it, I was like, hmm, there's a certain message being sent there. Yeah, and and we started to hear veiled shots from from zimmer oh yeah at, at uh back in training camp when he uh you know he talked about he's concerned about the depth and we created this top heavy roster and you have expensive guys so you can't fill in and and um abundantly clear he did not want Kellen Mond drafted i mean this was <laughs> do you think do you think <laughs> yeah he i mean and, and you know he's looking at it as like this is a make or break i, I would assume he's looking at I mean everybody was saying it so you had to feel that that this was a pivotal year for his tenure and you draft a quarterback that's not going to be able to help him in the third round, um, which, you know, I just, I, I didn't like the way uh, Zimmer answered that at Green Bay, just unnecessarily harsh. I mean, you, he could have handled that better. I don't know if Kellen any good, will ever be any good, but just to uh, dump on a rookie like that from, you know, that way, I just, I felt was out of bounds a little bit, but um, no. So I'm, I'm sure he's probably, I, I think Zimmer, he was asked after the game Sunday, was the roster, did he have issues with the roster and did, was it set up the way he wanted? He said, you know what, let's, let's get in that discussion another time. I, I think he felt like they were, um, well, go back to 18, Mike. I think he felt like the, the Cousins contract yeah. was going to hamstring the, to be able to, to plug holes and fix areas. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you're right. He was, he kind of saw this, coming to a certain degree. I don't think he's wrong about some of that roster assessment. I mean, look at their 
Look at the draft this year. They got basically no production from any of their four third round picks mm-hmm. this year. You know, and that's yep. again, that's the accumulation. You could have maybe moved up with some of that equity and, and gotten some real difference makers instead of taking some shots that have not paid off yet with Wyatt Davis, with um, you know, Kellen Mond, like we said, and some of the other people they took in the third round. Um, last one, Spielman's statement was really long. I don't know if I'm going to read all of it, but <clears throat> certainly a lot more gracious kind of of his voice to the Vikings players, coaches, and staff. I sincerely appreciate your tireless efforts to win and your dedication to this community and the fan base. There are so many talented people throughout this organization. And because of that, the Vikings will continue to be a special place in the future. Finally, I want to thank Ziggy and Mark Wilf and the entire Wilf family for believing in me and consistently providing the resources for us to be successful as a football operations staff. It is not common in the NFL to be in a position for this long, which goes to show how this ownership group believes in stability and supports their leaders. While today is emotional, I wish the Minnesota Vikings and Vikings fans nothing but future success. Yeah, and and you know, I he's been there so long, and we know the the Wills uh, really likes Spielman as a person, trusted him as football. But I, I just felt like it would have been him and Zimmer were such a package and such a tandem, even though there was kind of got frayed there at the end. I think that you couldn't just put this all on Zimmer, right? There's personnel mistakes. Uh, the Cousins thing hasn't worked out the way they thought it was. And with every GM, we can go back and forth on, he drafted this guy, he drafted that guy. You know, he took Ponder, but he also got, you know, Daniel Hunter. I mean, you, everybody's going to have hits and misses. Um, but I felt like his inability to draft and develop a quarterback. Now, some of that's bad luck. Teddy Bridgewater blowing out his knee. You didn't, can't help that. But the quarterback situation never really got resolved in the way that they wanted neglected the offensive line for so many years and the last couple of years they've they've really turned their attention to it but but I, I just think when you look at it in total there's enough personnel issues with the roster that you couldn't just say ah this is a Zimmer problem right this is a Zimmer and how do you go forth you know with a GM that's been tied to the head coach and they've been together for eight years and just say you know what we're gonna put this on coaching and let Spielman run it back with a new coach and then have to figure out the quarterback situation. It was, um, I just felt like it was time, right? It oh was yeah. Just time for a, a fresh set of eyes and a fresh perspective. For sure. And it just, maybe the two statements from those guys underscored kind of their mentality and maybe a little bit of Spielman always thinking about maybe the next move or a potential next job, wanting, not wanting to burn bridges and Zimmer maybe just kind of not caring at this point yeah, about I don't, anybody's feelings. Yeah, well, Zimmer's just that's how he is. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna pander and say something he doesn't feel. And you know, I someone asked me the other day if, if I think he'll get another head coaching head coaching job. I don't. I, I don't. I mean, not at his age and the way the NFL has shifted to the you know, the the young quarterback or young offensive minded, you know, Sean McVay clone. Um I just I think it'd be a defense coordinator somewhere, but I just, sure. I don't know that. I don't think he's going to get another shot as a head coach. I agree with that. Final thoughts here. Chips Goggins enjoying this conversation. One, I'll be very interested. Uh, what Kirk Cousins says or doesn't say the first time he's asked about this. I, I don't know when that will be. I don't know what that availability will, will be, but you know, a lot of times there is a end of year, something with the, uh, you know, with, with the best players. And I know, you know, the news came so fast, but, how he answers questions will be telling because he's got a pretty 
big off season ahead of him that I'll ask you about here in a minute. Yeah, I um, obviously it's been a very tough year uh, for Cousins in terms of perception and public perception, and um, he's kind of been uh, there's been a big spotlight on him. So and we know his relationship with Zimmer wasn't great, and so it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. He dodged the question about it, I think, Sunday. And I don't know that we will have an off-season thing with him. And here's the thing, Mike. You get a new GM in here, I I would have to think you're going to want to try to trade him because, you, you know, you don't want to extend him, right? To, no, to bring the I don't cap think number so. down. Um, and certainly don't want to have to pay him $45 million, have a $45 million cap hit um, this coming year. So that's uh, – Number one on the order of business for the new GM is you have to figure out him and you, I think you're going to have to try to trade him somewhere. That was going to be my last question for you. Like, you know, gut instinct, is he the starting quarterback for the Vikings in game one of 2022? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I just think um, you're going to have to, you know, I, I just don't think any GM is going to come in here and say, you know, the only way we can get that cap number down is to extend him you know, two, three years. Do you really want to go through two, three more years with everything that's happened and where you're at? Now, a coach, a head coach might say, okay, we're going to give you an option, a rookie or Kirk Cousins. A head coach is going to take Kirk Cousins. I mean, you just are. Um, But for the, you know, if you're taking a long view here, uh, I think they're going to try to trade him. And, you know, will they have to eat some of the salary? Probably, right? I mean, I don't know any team's going to take on you because you have to restructure. Um, I don't know how that works. That's a Rob Brzezinski question, uh, question, but um, I, my hunch is they're going to work really hard to try to trade him. That is my hunch too. be interesting off season. If that is indeed the case, it already is an interesting off season. I'm sure we'll have more to say about that with Chip Scoggins and others as the weeks and months go on. Good stuff, Chip. We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Thanks, Mikey. Interesting to me that Chip thinks they will trade Kirk Cousins. I'm of the same mind, but you know, I, if you had to put a number on it, I'm not sure if it's a better than 50-50 chance that he is traded, but the biggest offseason question is what his trade market will be, and that is a question, I suppose, for the new general manager. And on that end, let's finish with the cooler. couple things on, on that note and personnel decisions. One, um, there's a little snippet on StarTribune.com just reminding us the Vikings draft 12th this season. Um, quick to point out that the last time they picked 12th was when they chose Christian Ponder. I already had on my brain just the fact that whenever they have hired a new head coach recently, they have immediately drafted a quarterback. They hired Brad Childress in 2006. They, they drafted uh, Tavares Jackson in the second round that year. Leslie Frazier takes over on a, on a permanent basis in 2011. That was, of course, the year they drafted Ponder in the first round. And 2014, Mike Zimmer takes over, and they draft Teddy Bridgewater in the first round. Now, not a real surprise when you're hitting reset with a head coach. A quarterback is probably something you're looking for, but interesting to think about as they approach the 2022 draft, which is not supposed to be quarterback-heavy, but does have some names that could be available and could be draft-worthy in the middle of that first round. So we will see about that. And interestingly enough, too, Ben Gessling reporting that today we should start to hear some names, perhaps, for some candidates they are interested in. It sounds like they will hire a general manager before a head coach, which makes sense. But 
Looking forward to hearing some of those names, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that Wednesday on the Access Vikings podcast. That will do it for me here today on Daily Delivery. Phil Miller, I think, is going to join me on Thursday. A little baseball talk. Sounds like uh, negotiations between the union and owners will resume on Thursday. Maybe we can get a baseball season started on time. That would be great. So we'll talk to Phil about that and some other Twins subjects. Thank you so much for listening today. Be back at it again on Thursday.